Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's a weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we saw over the last week or two, depending on when we did the last show. I'm Nick Pronto, joined as always by uh, Midwest Matt. Oh, I thought you just forgot my name altogether. I was like, Man, no, I hurts. couldn't remember which one of your many <laughs> nicknames we were going to use. How's it going, Hi. Matt? It's going well. How are you? What's up in the greater Chicagoland area? Uh, well, you know, last week the whole Chris Cornell thing sucked, but otherwise things are pretty good. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even want to send you a message. I figured you'd be pretty broken up about that. Total bummer. Yeah. But we'll do that on a music podcast. Now you know how I felt when Bill Paxton died. That hit you hard? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Matt. Yeah. What, what did you What did you see this week? Well, you know what? You saw a new movie. I saw. Let me go first because you you have some new material. I watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Hey, but what'd you think? Now that we've both seen it, we could talk yeah. about spoiler stuff. Okay, uh, I guess that's their warning. All right. Yeah. Hey, spoiler alert! Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume Two. Um, now uh, I'm gonna preface this by saying I went in to see the movie with pretty low or lowered expectations because uh, I've heard what other people have said, including you, and then uh, some other people I know. Halloween movie was just kind of, eh, you know? Um, and with that mindset, I loved it. I loved Good. this movie. I think I like it more than the first one. <clears throat> I've heard some people say that. Um, I thought it was a great... I thought it was great. I had a blast. I was cracking up the whole time. I thought the action that happened in the movie made sense most of the time. Um, the one thing that I really enjoyed about the movie is it had a huge cast but then you never had that moment where you have a character who has to do something or you have a character who has nothing to do so oh we got to come up with something for this guy to do so like for most of the climax um gamora and drax uh don't have anything to do and they're just standing around which is fine like they didn't have them fight some monster or like start punching electric tentacles just so that they could have something to punch they just stood around until there was a task for Drax to do which was carry the antenna girl uh, away because her her purpose had been eliminated yeah like she got injured so all of a sudden oh she's injured I'm gonna get her out of here which led to one of the funny funny moments of the movie um and uh Gamora and her sister, um, that whole storyline I thought was was very good. Um, it it brought a whole different level of uh, pining for your father, uh, um, like the antithesis of what uh, Chris Pratt was going through in the movie, where he's looking for his father um, because of all his unresolved family issues, <clears throat> where um, Gamora and Blue Girl... Um, I don't remember her name either. Uh, Gamora and Blue Girl are um, fighting each other because of the things that their father did to them. Um, and um, the Nebula? Is it Nebula? I'm going to go with Nebula. 
uh, Nebula wants to find her father too, but to destroy him. Her father is Thanos and she wants to destroy him. And um, I thought that that was a good counterbalance to the emotional hook that was uh, Star-Lord and his father. So uh, I thought it was it was very interesting and uh, pretty well done. All right. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I, I, yeah, there are definitely a lot of father themes throughout. Um, well, what do you think in terms of not their relationship with their father, but their relationship with each other? Um, it, it seemed to me like that that felt kind of forced, like uh, suddenly. Like if you ever read the new Harry Potter book, that's actually a play. I didn't read that. It seems no. like, well, throughout that book, it's like, it seems like sort of fan service where it's like, Hey, you want to see Harry and Draco have a conversation? Do you want to see, you know, all these different characters, like take all the subtext and throw it out right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Here you go. And, and I, I felt a little bit like that with them where they're fighting and all of a sudden, the blue one. What did you say? Nebula. Let's go with Nebula. that. Yeah, Nebula. <laughs> I think <laughs> I was going to call right. her Nucleus earlier. So, it's <laughs> um, so, so where Nebula is just like all of a sudden explaining to some other guy the whole backstory with her dad, and then with Gamora. I don't know. It just felt like it happened too fast. Where it was like, I've wanted to kill you for forever. Yeah. Now. We're yeah. Cool. That uh, I f- I agree that that got wrapped up pretty quick um but it's amazing the power of a hug (laughs) Um, i like hugs i could agree with that one uh one thing that i thought was really cool or not really cool but just very well done is Mm -hmm. um uh, when the two of them are having their uh their fight in the cave and then you know they they come to terms with each other and they're walking and then they find out what's really going on on the planet they they oh. figure out the mystery at the same time that Mantis is telling Drax what's going on. Yeah. So there's not that moment where, well, if Nebula never attacked her, they wouldn't know what's going on. They would be too late kind of a thing okay. where, like, uh, Nebula and Gamora figure out the, the twist of the movie. Um, but if they didn't, Mantis was still going to tell them what the twist was. Right. It doesn't feel quite as, as forced in terms of discovery. Yeah, exactly. Like even if they didn't solve the mystery, they were still going to be told, Hey, your buddy's in trouble over there. We got to go help him." Yeah. I, I could see that. I agree with that. I think if, if that weren't happening yet, you'd be like, Oh, okay. So they just had a fight so we could find out this plot device. Yeah, exactly. So like you could you could remove that part of the movie and you'd still have the same third act um confrontation. It would it would still be the same, which which I think is good storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um and then I I just found out today, and maybe you knew this already, but in the, the final um, you know, like the end credit scene with Sylvester Stallone. Yes. Um I didn't understand that at all. Because I never read Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, oh, I, I haven't either. Uh, where where he's like talking to the other space weirdos. Um, apparently that's an homage to the original Guardians of the Galaxy comic book. Yeah, I had heard that. When I saw the scene, I 
had the sense of like, oh, this is a thing. Yeah. You know, like the, the way the music was and the p- kind of pause on the, and the way it was framed, it was like, oh, this is, I'm looking at something here. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, yeah, so I didn't know it like before. They had, to, they had to explain it to me and I went, oh, that's, that's a, that's a deep cut of a reference, but I, I, I enjoy the, the effort there. But, um, yeah, overall, I mind, I, I, I don't mind the, uh, w- when I know I'm going to be sitting around for an end credit scene, like after the credits are over altogether. Yeah. Uh, if they're throwing things in during the credits, that's cool with me. <laughs> yeah. Cause the credits are like 15 minutes long. Now. Yeah. I, I didn't have any problem with, with a ton of, some people were complaining about all of the credits. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's free movie. You're going to be sitting yeah. around anyway. Did you notice yeah, Jeff I, Goldblum in the credits? I did. I thought that was uh, an odd little ad. I know he's in the next Thor movie, but... Uh, did you know that he's going to be in the next Jurassic Park movie? I did know that. I'm very excited yeah. about that. <laughs> now, if we could just get Sam Neill on board. Alan. Wake up. That, that was that was my impression of a speaking velociraptor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just in case that wasn't clear. Yeah. I just watched yeah. a... Um, I just watched a thing on YouTube. Um, check out um, Good Bad Flicks. Oh, yeah. I think Have you watched those before? I've seen a couple of them. Um, they do a pretty good one on Jurassic Park 3 where it almost convinces me that that's a good movie. Oh, God. Okay. Where, where you're like, oh, wow, maybe I've completely misunderstood. No, no, it's terrible. It's terrible. No, it's awful. <laughs> but I will say this. I've seen it the most i've seen it so many other than the original jurassic park i've I've seen that one the most yeah i saw jurassic world the one time and i'm kind of like that's enough i watched jurassic park once a year and probably jurassic park 3 once a year too yeah yeah i saw i saw the i saw jurassic world twice and i will say that the the second time around i was like oh you know um this is really boring Oh, <laughs> like there's, that's there's not much there's not much entertainment in this movie uh the first time i saw it i saw it with a bunch of people and it was uh, i don't know if it was opening night but it was when it had you know very early and it being out and we were all stoked so part of just being there in the theater watching a jurassic park movie was enough to to get through mostly the scenes with the kids where i'm like these kids are actually really annoying yeah uh yeah the movie needed more chris pratt i guess so oh uh, you know what or maybe more dinosaurs i don't know getting back to chris pratt time um the one thing that i that i kind of thought was annoying about the guardians 2 is um it i kind of wish that we had gotten there before this movie started if that makes sense like it seems like they went on see them it seems like they they went on a bunch of adventures between the first movie and this movie and i kind of want to see some of those adventures yeah um i'll agree with that uh like this movie there's there's not really a whole lot going on and and the the team is separated for most of it um you know that you don't get them uh, together the whole time but it but it all but it all worked. It all worked really well. Like that scene with Groot when they're in prison. That that um I was talking to somebody uh from work and they were saying how it like it was like a family guy skit almost where like it stops being funny for a second and then it turns funny again. Where I don't where where baby Groot drags that giant noisy table. 
yeah. all the way to the jail cell and no one wakes up, you know, like it's silly stuff like that. Like I was like, that's a slam dunk of a joke right there. That's Yeah. The, the individual things he brings out uh, kind of worked for me, but I, I'll say as far as the timing goes and that family guy draw the joke out thing, I don't think it landed the same way for me. I think I was just, I think I was in still in that area of like, okay, this isn't funny anymore. And yeah. it didn't get funny again for me, but, but it wasn't that the jokes got worse or anything. Like if you have a severed toe, the, the really noisy desk, I think that was probably the, the part that made me laugh the most too. Was yeah. The, the um, desk that's like screeching through what's supposed to be a quiet area. One of, one of the things that really worked uh, for me uh, to help me enjoy the movie was, was actually what you said last week or the other week when, when we talked about it was that, uh, you said the movie's like a real slow burn, like it really builds up towards the end, like it's mm-hmm. kind of kind of boring and and not much happens, but it picks up towards the end. And knowing that, I was able to appreciate it a little more, like because I knew, all right, so this isn't this isn't not going anywhere. Um, and yeah, and, and that that really seemed to take the pressure off of the movie for me. So like, like if, if I had just gone in blind, like opening weekend to see it, I probably would have felt the same way expecting I could see more that. of it. But yeah, cause I think throughout the movie, I was going, these are a lot of loose pieces. I don't know that they're going to go anywhere. And at this point in, you know, movie watching and how things have gotten, I'm, I didn't have much faith that they would come together. Mm-hmm. So I could see like knowing that it's going somewhere and that they're not just poorly written random stuff that that would help. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, I feel like every character in this movie had like a resolution. Everybody had an arc, you know. Uh, uh, everybody was useful uh, to the story. Um, what you What do you think of the gold people? Uh, you know what? Those were. I feel like the weakest part of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, it just seemed like they're they're just some antagonist, and then uh, I feel like they're trying to build them up for the next movie. Like every time yeah. they, uh, after that first scene, when they got away, I figured they were just, they, the gold people would be gone and they just seemed to keep coming back. Yeah. It's weird that the whole, the whole movie hinges on the raccoon stealing some batteries. Yeah. It, 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 Cause it and, does feel like kind of like fighting that huge monster that they fight before they see those people. I'm like, Oh, this is just the beginning of the movie. You're seeing them do their thing mm-hmm. kind of deal. And then it's like, Oh wait, these kind of boring people are going to be there for the rest of the movie yeah and um i uh the whole movie uh at least uh rocket's character arc hinges on him being like a dick where he takes things that he doesn't need he pushes people away when the whole their whole response to the uh, the the problem at the end if he didn't have those batteries they wouldn't win like he needed those batteries to blow up the planet. I, that's true. So that's if also it was what started the whole thing, so none of it matters. Right. Now. So, I mean, <laughs> so uh, if, if Kurt Russell didn't save them, they'd be dead because rocket stole the batteries. Uh-huh. Rocket and, Chris Pratt have a big fight because of the batteries. So like if rocket never stole those batteries, they never would have been able to stop Kurt Russell. 
Okay, I get what you're saying. So, like, in terms, if Rocket, in terms of fighting him, yeah, like if Rocket had learned his lesson last week before the movie started, they right. wouldn't have been able to win this fight. That's, I guess, that's a good point. But I, st- I just, I don't care. Like, yeah. I, I, no, I agree. I actually don't like Rocket. I, I, I feel like there are moments where, like, I want to. Because I like animals, uh-huh. <laughs> and and I actually kind of like what's the guy that plays him? Uh, Bradley Does Cooper. Yeah, I kind of like Bradley Cooper. Um, even though I don't like that many movies he's in, um, but I actually don't like Rocket that much. And I felt like the the whole him being an asshole thing. I don't, I don't know it. That part feels a little forced to me. Um, I, I I felt like a. I don't know, you know, maybe kind of like with what you were talking about, about getting the sense of, hey, we're coming back to them. And wow, they've already established themselves over the last however many months since the last movie or the first movie ended. Yeah. Um, And they're like supposed to be sort of a family. But I'm like, these guys aren't just like, I don't know, fighting like teenagers or something. They I, I, I wasn't getting the connection with him and the rest of the crew beneath the kind of prickishness. Yeah. And then at the end, when the other guy's like, you're just like me, you push people away. And I'm like, yeah, well, I guess, but really what was coming off was that he's a dick. Yeah. Uh, I definitely feel like all these characters are together only because they're in the movie. Like they all would have betrayed yeah. each other and, and left. Well, maybe that's why. Ago, it, maybe that's why it would be nice to see that in between period to actually have a better sense of these guys belonging together. Yeah, I, I think one thing I do like is that um, it it shows that they've definitely been working together since the last movie came out, and it's one of the problems that I had with uh, the second Avengers movie, the Age of Ultron movie is that um, the first Avengers movie is, is, hey, we're all getting together on a team now. We're all on a team. And then they fight the war, and then they win the war. And then the next time we see these characters, they're already kind of breaking up. Like there was, we've never, we never got the movie where the Avengers are... Uh, like good at being a team? Yeah, exactly. Where, where we get to see them excel together. Like there's always like internal conflict and that's, that's, I think it's been said, but like the, the issue with the Marvel movies is the villains are weak, but the character interaction between your main characters is great. Mm -hmm. Um, so like there's always this forced antagonist to the movie on top of whatever interpersonal problems you have. But I mean, it's a pretty small complaint. I mean, I don't have any faith that this wonder woman movie is that's coming out is going to be any good. But I mean, I'm still going to go see it, but uh, like just based on the trailers, I don't think that Gal Gadot and Captain Kirk have the same chemistry that Gamora and Star-Lord have, you know? So, I mean, pick your poison, I guess, is what (laughs) I'm trying to say. Well, I I will go see Wonder Woman too, partly because I feel like she's the best part of Batman versus Superman. Maybe the only good part other than 
Ben Affleck's suit. Um, but I thought Ben Affleck was terrific in that movie. I thought he was fine. I, I, I didn't think that the, the Batman character was written well, but I, oh, but no, I thought he, I, I thought he did fine, you know, so, yeah, yeah. but, but she was my favorite part. I, and maybe there wasn't enough time for her to become terrible because she's I, only in it for 30 seconds. I just, the whole time she's on screen, I can't figure out why she's there yeah. other than to get Lex Luthor's email about, Hey, here's your logo. But, but I have been hearing good things about the wonder woman movie. And normally that wouldn't be very encouraging to me, but there had been so much hate against Batman versus Superman that, I figure, okay, if they're saying this is good, they're not caught up in any hype because everybody was prepared to hate it anyway. Right. Uh, so I guess, so I guess it helps a little bit when people are like, "Hey, this is good." They're they're usually saying, "Hey, this is actually good." I thought it would be terrible. <laughs> so, so I, I won't say, uh, you know, like you said, uh, faith. No, I don't have faith in it, but I, but I do have a little bit of hope. So, we'll see. Yeah, I'll, we'll see exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well good discussion about 40 different movies <laughs> um but uh hey matt what did you see this week in film well i saw two movies and i'm gonna uh, it's, i'd like to just talk about one of them but i'm gonna be referencing the other one here and there too okay because um, there's sort of a weird comparison so I saw the first movie I saw is called The Monster. It's a 2016 movie. It's kind of low budget, um, and I'll come back to that later. The one I'm going to focus on more is Alien Covenant. Oh, you saw that? Um, I did see that. Oh, okay. And I have I'm, I'm like torn in a million different directions on this movie um, because it was much better than I expected. Okay. Because I expected it to be god awful, right? Um, so you know, low expectations can be really helpful. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I enjoyed it. I, I I ended up enjoying it, but I didn't like it. Um, so this movie, as you know, it's directed by Ridley Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, stars Michael Fassbender, Catherine Waterson, Billy Crudup. Uh, I guess people know Danny McBride, so him too, and then some other people. Danny McBride uh, is the only reason that I want to see it. I, you know, and I heard someone review the movie and say that he's great in it, and I don't know what the heck they're talking about. Uh, I mean, I don't know who he is, and I don't care either. But like, I, I, he, it's not like he has a ton of lines, and he's not. I don't know. I mean, there's not much for him to do other than be like. I want people to be okay. And I'm like, yeah, all right. Um, I want people to get eaten. <laughs> now, see, if they had a character in there like that, it might have spiced things up a little bit. Um, but, yeah, the whole the, the whole crew is really not interesting. There's nobody in this movie, aside from Michael Fassbender, who's interesting at all. Hmm. Um, and... They seem to put what might seem like a lot of effort into relationships in the movie. Right. Well, but it's not whole... a lot of effort. It's not a lot of effort. It's like, hey, people are married. This guy's married. That girl's married. This other guy's married. And it's like, so they sent what? Isn't the plot they sending these people to start a colony? 
Yeah, you know, like the Mayflower maybe you're reading it the way I, maybe you're reading it the way I did in the commercial, where it's like these it's these few people and they're supposed to go start a colony. No, it's it's that they're dragging along with them two thousand sleeping bodies. What? And so yeah, there's like the, they have a ton of people on the ship that are in you know cryo sleep or whatever. Holy and so they've already crap. got the whole colony. They're just going to drop them off somewhere and, oh. and I guess be there with them. So, so when they're talking and they're like, we're going to do this, you know, we're going to be there. They are going to be there, but it's not as if these 10 people are going to be like, you know, Adam and Eve cast of lost. Yeah. Right. And they're going to create a whole village on a, on an Island. They're bringing with them 2000 people. Huh? Um, um that, that is a totally yeah. different story. <laughs> Right. Um, and I mean, that's not really problematic in any way, but it's definitely like I got the vibe you got from the trailer. Um, so, so throughout the, the movie, it's a lot of the characters who are there are married to each other. And I guess that's supposed to raise the tension or something, but it, it really doesn't. Um, Michael Fassbender is good in it. Um, and roles role he plays it, 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 it's it's pretty interesting um that said there are a couple things that kind of go in different directions on here like the look of it um i know ridley scott's known for making really beautiful movies and like you know just excellent cinematography and like i've said before i'm, I'm not a cinematography connoisseur but i will say it is really beautiful it's, mm. it's a beautifully shot movie on the flip side of that, the special effects in some scenes, there are probably lots of special effects I don't even notice because if they're done well, you don't. But like, there are some places where I'm like, that looks cartoonish, which I'm not really expecting in a movie these days. Um, at least not like an alien movie. Maybe a superhero movie is going to have some cartoonish looking spots. But this, it was weird. It was weird. Um, the... So, so on one hand, it's pretty, and on the other hand, it's like, ew, that, that was gross in terms of special effects. Um, Story-wise, it's interesting enough, you know, as it, and, and this pulls me in two different directions, too, because with it being sort of a kind of filling the gap between Prometheus and the other Alien movies, that makes this movie more interesting. And it makes the the seeing some of the pieces kind of come together, um, kind of uh, it, it makes it more compelling. Okay. But but my biggest issue overall is is if this actually if this keeps going this way, um, and it quote unquote works, you know that that these movies in between really bring these things together, it's kind of it it, it could potentially ruin the original alien movies because you know and I, I you probably get this from prometheus you know they're explaining all these questions that people have had about what the you know what was going on in alien where did they come from what's up with that one giant body that's like sitting in a gun turret right um but here's the the problem for me is one of the great things about alien and aliens is that there's not an explanation, right. you know? And I feel like that's one of the great things about a lot of horror movies is when it's like, 
the the situation is what it is. There's there's a monster. There's something that's happening that you don't understand. Even if it's a ghost movie, it's like, I'd rather not know who the ghost is. Once you tell me, oh, the ghost is the great-grandfather of this person who's related to this character. It's like, it is? It steals, <laughs> it steals something from it. Um, and so if these movies do continue to come together, I feel like it's going to actually... I, I don't know how much it can taint it because I've seen other terrible alien movies and it hasn't ruined the first two. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but I, you know, I don't want to sit down to watch alien, see Sigourney Weaver going through what she's going through and the character, the cast and everybody not knowing what's going on and actually be in a position to go, Oh, well, I know what's going on. This was all orchestrated by the creators or whoever. And, and there is some of that in this movie where it takes away that. Uh, I, I don't mean this as a pun actually, but like the alien nature of it, that it is alien to you. Hmm. Um, and, and another thing that I think it, it potentially can do with that, as you see that all being controlled and manipulated and, and uh, you know, orchestrated by these creatures and people and stuff. One of the things that I liked about the alien and aliens, you know, those movies is that there are, there's like a corporation trying to harness this power and it's naive and it's going to be overwhelmed too, you know, spoiler for aliens, but Paul Reiser's a dick and he's trying to get these aliens back and they kill him, you know, and, and that's what happens. Like they, the aliens being so strange, being not understood, being unknown, are never going to be controlled. Right. You know, you might be able to suck them out an airlock twice in a row, but, you know, because that's how both of those movies end. Um, but you're not going to be able to harness them. And, and I feel like as we get the backstory on these things, that's kind of taken away. Hmm. And I think it's kind of a bummer. Interesting. That. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was interesting to me. I would say, you know, and I, I'm going to just sound like I'm, I'm going in completely different directions here, but like I would say, see it. I would say go check it out. Really? Okay. Um, I, I was not. I, I was probably just going to avoid it till it came out on video. But yeah, you know, I, I don't think you're going to. You've got a nice TV. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think you necessarily need to see it in the theater. Um, but I don't know. I feel like between, between, I, between that and, um, guardians too, I feel like this is a, so far going to be the summer of movies for me where I enjoy movies. I don't like <laughs> where I'm like, I walk out going, Hey, all right. I'm glad I saw that. I don't ever want to see it again. And I don't think it was that great. Uh, but anyway, well, I mean, uh, in the real, in, in all reality, walking out of a movie theater going, I enjoyed that is really all you're looking for well i don't know i don't know i kind of wonder if that's a you know person by person thing or like maybe moment to moment there might be some movies where i go like i want to have a good time and other movies where you know like documentaries i don't tend to have a great time watching documentaries although sometimes i do um but but i but they make me think you know and and i enjoy that in a different way um this movie, Guardians, I didn't walk out going, hey, I think that's a good movie. But I did walk out going like, well, okay, I had fun. Um, 
And I, I, maybe it needs a, a bit of a mixture. I want the next movie I see in the theater to be a really good movie. Hmm. Put it that way. Wonder Woman. That's it. Um, <laughs> well, uh, going over what you just said, before you start yeah. talking about your, your other movie, um, going back to Prometheus, when I was watching Prometheus in the theaters, um, by the way, I saw that with my wife, who was nine months pregnant at the time. Uh, Good timing. Right, exactly, especially with the cesarean scene right. in, in that movie. Um, but while that movie was on, I was like, this movie is great. I love this. And the minute the movie was over, I went, wait a minute. Why Why? Why this? Why Why did that? And if that happened, why would they do this? It was it was like I was I loved the movie until it was over and then it was fine until you started to think about it and then it all completely fell apart. Gotcha. Yeah, it just it kind of unwound itself, right? Yeah, like I went from being so excited about it to being like by the time I got in the car to being like, wait, that was crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll I'll tell you something. <clears throat> At this point in time, it seems almost absurd to, to, to say or to have this be the case, but I, I was wrapping up grad school and stuff like that, so I had no idea. Like, I hadn't, I don't even know if I had cable, but like, I hadn't seen anything. I didn't know what Prometheus was. My sister said she had seen it and she thought it was kind of interesting, but didn't tell me anything about it. I think she assumed I, I knew. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was an alien movie. Oh, so I was watching Prometheus going like, oh, I guess this is like a space movie. All right. (laughs) And then somewhere in the movie, I was like, man, this movie's kind of ripping off some stuff here. Those those little snake vagina things look kind of, uh, you know, uh, Geiger-esque, you know? I think they're Uh, pronounced snaginas. Geiger? Snaginas? Well, that. Vagakes? Vagakes. This this feels kind of derivative, uh, and then at the end, you know, the little creature's like, and I was like, oh, I guess this was an alien movie then, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I felt like an idiot because it's like everybody knew that. <laughs> I was like, oh, and this was on video. I didn't even go to see a theater or anything. I just did not hear anything. I just thought it was a movie called Prometheus. Uh, I thought it was about a guy making fire. <laughs> that was something else. All right, so you were going to talk about your other movie? <laughs> yeah, okay, so, so yeah, briefly, um, because it's just counter to all that other stuff. I need to like, say that all again. The Monster, 2016, like it's a kind of low budget um, or independent movie. Nobody, that, as far as I can tell, is famous in it. Um, simple. There's a girl and her daughter. They're driving on a road. They crash. Then there's a monster, and it's outside the car. And now in this movie, they, um, there's a lot about their relationship. And it's, it's not a good relationship. They don't have a healthy relationship. Um, and it's, it's not like unpredictable or anything like that. But, um, but it's pretty well done. And the daughter, now I, I'm not a fan of kid actors, generally speaking, but the daughter who is somewhere between, I don't know, seven and 12. I'm not good at that sort of thing either. Um, and I don't think the movie is because at some point she's like looking at her watch and she's trying to 
tell time. And this daughter seems very, very bright. But in this moment, she's like, um, I think that means 10, 15. And I'm like, what? You can't read time. I've been sitting here thinking you're like 12 and a very mature 12. Um, but this kid is probably the best actress I've seen on screen in a while. Like I, she was just acting circles around the mom who may be a fine actress. I don't really know, but what's I would her, say what's her name. Uh, the, the little girl, her name is Ella Ballantyne. Ballantyne. Uh, she plays Lizzie. The mom is Zoe Kazan, um, and her name's Kathy in the movie. Um, and yeah, I, I th- th- like I said, this little girl's just acting circles around her. I would say if you like a movie where you aren't going to get any answers, where there is no explanation, and it doesn't turn into some, you know, uh, kind of um, like a Doctor Evil. You know, someone's orchestrating things, uh, supervillain. You know, there's no like supervillain thing involved. It's just a monster came out of nowhere. Oh, there you are. That's this is a good movie for that. Uh, so I would say if you've got an hour and a half and you're, I, I don't know if it's on Netflix, I think I saw it through Amazon. Uh, check out The Monster if you just want to see some pretty good acting or actually really good acting and a decent, simple, old school monster movie. Okay. That that's pretty much all I got on it. Okay. Sounds interesting. It's it's worth checking out. I, I really think it is. Uh and actually, you know what one of the one of the things in there too, it's it's um not incredible, but the the with the budget being really low, um, there's not a lot of visual time on the monster. But it's practical effects, and they're pretty good. Okay. Well, now now I know it's not the little girl that's the monster. Um. Well, you'll have to watch. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the end of the regular show. Did you want to do? Uh, <laughs> did you want to do? I'm a great host. Did you want to do? Batman versus movie? Dawn of movie? Dawn of movie? Yeah, why not? All right. Um, you, you of course, must pick first as I'm terrible. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Actually, I had a movie terrible. that popped into my mind this morning as I was thinking about talking about this. Um, because, you know, I was thinking about these sorts of simple movies that can actually be really great, but actually how I really like complicated movies, too. Right. And I, what the one that comes to mind for me when I think about a really good complex movie is L.A. Confidential. Ooh. So how about L.A. Confidential? And if it's possible to come up with something else that's really complex, uh, L.A. Confidential versus that. Oh, man. Something complicated versus L.A. Confidential. Uh... See, I would say The Dark Knight's kind of complex, but uh, we've already done that one. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm gonna stick with Kevin Spacey, and uh, okay. I'm gonna say American Beauty versus American Beauty. Hmm. Interesting. That's okay. a movie that seems, you know, pretty cut and dry on the on the shell, but when you dive deeper, it's very complicated. Yeah, and it's got a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Um. Boy. 
I think, I, I, like, off the bat, I just want to be like Ellie Confidential just because I love that movie. So, yeah, me too. Like, right now, I'm going, you know what? I just want to watch, I'd rather watch Ellie Confidential again. But why? But why, Nick? Well, the reason I like Ellie Confidential so much is one, because it's that 1940s Hollywood uh, uh, cop drama, you know, um, great performances. Um, I really like Guy Pierce in that movie. He's, you know, like, yeah, the, um, he's the, uh, well, without getting into, Rookie. without getting into spoilers for it, but, um, Guy Pierce is the, the, he's the clean cop. He's the good cop, uh, mm-hmm. in a, in a precinct full of corrupt cops. And, uh, and he's, you know, he's just trying to, he's a good cop or he's, he's not a good cop. He's a clean cop, but he wants to advance quickly. And he knows how to do that by twisting the screws in his, uh, in his favor, like by turning on his coworkers and, and fellow officers. Uh, you also have Russell Crowe in that movie. Who's awesome. Um, uh, who's, who's a cop who's just trying to go day by day. Uh, Kevin Spacey, who's another, he play, he's also a cop. Uh, they all work in the same precinct and, uh, you know, like all of their stories intertwine towards the, towards the end of the movie. You think you're watching like each character in that movie almost doesn't really meet until halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. They interact with each other without realizing they're interacting with each other, which is which is great. Like if 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 someone put together a version of LA Confidential that was just Kevin Spacey, I think that would that movie would be just as good. Oh yeah, it could be like uh what the X Men movies were supposed to be when they were doing Origins movies. You could take any of those characters and follow them. And and I agree, I agree completely. And I think that's except for Kim Basinger, who's useless. <laughs> Well, one thing that movie does so well too, and and I think it's what leads to that, is that with minimal, like minimal words to emphasize things, they manage to drop so much information. And like Guy Pierce, you know, he's trying to live up to his dad and what his dad did on the force, and and it's not. It doesn't feel forced at all. It's not something they're hammering you over the head with. It's just there, and it and it sinks in. You can really like feel that each of these characters does have a real, like you can feel their backstory even yeah. without it being like, here we're gonna go give you a bunch of flashbacks you can, to spell it out for you. You can feel all their motivations without having to be told, hey, here's what his motivation is. Yeah, you know, like like Russell Crowe wants to be a good cop without someone saying, Oh, Russell Crowe, you want to be a good cop. You know, like you, you learn that he wants to be a good cop, but he's in a bad place. Yeah. It's, it's built very naturally into their language where they're like, yeah, what's his name? Something white, Bud white. They're like, yeah, "Yeah, he's, he's just muscle for hire. And, and you know, like that he, he, he doesn't want to be muscle for hire. Mm -hmm. He wants to actually do the detective work and, and he, he and Exley kind of are, competing in that way too and they're competing for a bunch of different things because then you got kim basinger's character in there too and yeah yeah i I agree she's probably the lowest point in the movie but she won an oscar (laughs) for that too which is it makes no sense that's when i lost respect for the best supporting actress oscar because it goes to the woman who who did the most with the least amount of screen time 
Um, but uh, I feel like LA Confidential kind of falls apart a little bit at the end. Uh, like the way it not not to reveal anything, but the the way the movie ends, I feel is is a little sloppy and a little bit of all right. We got to wrap this up, but still very compelling and awesome. Like I love it. I love that movie. Um, but uh, American Beauty, on the other hand, um, deals with uh, completely different themes. Um, of course. Um, if you don't remember, American Beauty is the story of Kevin Spacey. Um, he's going through a midlife crisis, and um, the the rest of his family is going through their own midlife crisis. He's got a, a wife, played by Annette Benning, who's going through her own thing, and a teenage daughter who's like a junior or senior in high school who's uh, going through the throes of adolescence or late adolescence. And uh, I think it's just a powerful movie, especially um, when's the last time you, you watched it? Like, have you seen it in a few years? Um, I want to say the last time I saw it was actually quite a while ago, but I saw it a handful of times um, and I remember it well. Um, yeah, it's, it's a movie I absorbed pretty well. I think pr- we were probably in a really good age demographic to take that all in too. Cause it's very like, you know, it's kind of pretentious, like a teenager, you know, it's sort of angsty, um, dealing with these philosophical questions you start to ask when you're, you know, high school, getting ready to go, go to college. So, mm-hmm. um, for, for, I think those reasons, uh, I feel like I just saw it yesterday, even though I have you okay there. I dropped the thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it didn't so look like I just slumped over the chair. <laughs> well, and there was noises and stuff too. You know, there there were noises. Um, so, so yeah, I feel like I just saw it. And and in comparing these two movies, I think there is actually something kind of interesting between kind of how the people's stories are being told, because that's what American Beauty is through and through it's like here we're telling you about these people this isn't really much about a plot um and whereas like la confidential you catch up very quickly that you know these backstories are in place i think in in american beauty it's like you're discovering the people while they're discovering themselves too yeah like they're finding out what their own motivations are and what their own inner drives are well, like the way American Beauty starts is you're presented with these characters the way they present themselves to the world. And yeah. as the movie goes along and uh, as the movie goes along, you discover who they actually are as they finally figure out who they really are. And yeah, um, exactly. the whole movie is an unmasking. And... um what what I was going to say before, um, oh, yeah. uh, I watched it either last year or the year before. I can't remember was the last time I saw it. Um, so I'm, I'm in my mid thirties now. Uh, and, and I watched it going, going into my mid thirties, watching it now. And compared to when I watched it, when it came out, um, mm-hmm. is a completely different perspective on it. Because I think when I saw it as like a young adult, 
Um, like when did that come out? 99. Yeah. Um, so we were like 18, 19 years old. Um, so I feel like in, when we, when I first saw that movie and the many times, cause I saw it a bunch when I was in college. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, when I first saw it, I saw it as like this movie where, where I related more to the weirdo kids and appreciated mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey's story a little more. But as I've like the perspective that I've gained on it, uh, like watching it more recently, what, what I see now is now I'm not the weirdo kid with a camera anymore. Now I'm Kevin Spacey where I'm, I'm entering midlife sort of like I'm getting there and I can see where Kevin Spacey is in his life and how he can look back and be like, how did I get here? Um, what, what, what am I doing here? It's that talking head song. Like, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful Mm -hmm. wife, you know? And all of a sudden he goes on this, uh, I mean, Kevin Spacey snaps in the movie. Like he does things that no sensible adult would do. And when you watch that as a, a younger person, you see it as just like, Hey, here's a weird old guy. But like, as you watch it, uh, more grown up, I don't like to say I've matured very much, but my life has changed <laughs> a lot since I was 18. And, uh, I can see the things Kevin Spacey's doing and thinking, wow, that makes a lot of sense what he's doing. Like, you know, like I quit my job or, uh, Hey, I just bought a fancy new car just for me. Like seeing somebody go through a midlife crisis like that isn't so much a cliche as it's, hey, this guy is doing what I think a lot of people wish that they could do but are unable to. And you can also relate to Annette Benning's character uh, a lot with it because she uh, was happy before she saw what her husband had become kind of a thing like uh she was happy living in the facade she was happy with him being miserable she was happy pretending her daughter was fine uh she's happy you know like pruning the garden in front of her house like she was happy with the the fake everything that was her life and then kevin spacey takes all that from her um out of selfishness on his part um, which which is fine for Kevin Spacey, but Annette Benning's character wasn't ready for any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I kind of lost my train of thought towards the end there. Well, but uh, well, you know, I mean, you were saying though that you, you, you identify with different characters. That, that I think that is a a pretty interesting point. Like I, I I'm kind of interested now in pulling that DVD out and, and watching it nowadays and see. I think when I saw it as a teenager, I actually did relate mostly with um, Kevin Spacey's character uh, in sort of that, you know, like you said, he, he kind of started doing what he wanted. And and I think, you know, that's around the time of like, you know, Incubus, and Rage Against the Machine and like questioning authority and all that sort of stuff kind of clicking into place. So I think then I kind of related with that. It'd be interesting to watch it now and go, okay, who, who do I gravitate towards in this now? What I, what I think is interesting about that is um, when when you're 18, 19 watching an adult do something like that, you think, cool, good for you, dude. Yeah, live the life. But then like when you watch it now, um, like f- for instance, I have my family and my house and my car payment 
you know, like all that stuff. And the thought of the thought of like walking out of your job and going like, hey, job, goodbye. I'm going home now is 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 fascinating. But the the idea of actually doing something like that is more terrifying than mm. self uh, um, is more terrifying than a fun fantasy. I think, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, at the time, I don't know how much of a parallel there is between high school and having a, you know, office job. But maybe the, the, the way it kind of felt for me then was like, yeah, I'd like to kind of chuck this all and, and not go into the ordinary programming, which I guess, you know, to some degree did that for a year. But like, um, like I really like the job I have now. And so I don't know, you know, if I were to check that out and, and absorb a person, I don't know if it would be a different character, or if it would be a different aspect of some of the same characters, you know, like, yeah. like some of that stuff that Kevin Spacey's doing, it's, it's breaking free of a mold, but it's also pretty like, I mean, it's, you know, getting a sports car or whatever is a little like, I mean, there's not much depth to that, <laughs> but right, it's just yeah. like, Hey, you know what, whatever I want to. And I think maybe that just like, do whatever you want and, and and do stuff that is kind of frivolous that might kind of appeal to me now like like the idea of actually going i'm gonna go work at a burger king <laughs> you know just because it'd be like uh, some kind of silly thing you know like that that sounds kind of fun still or or maybe in a different way now yeah all right so <laughs> so what's your pick Oh, man. Well, I got a little bit more appreciation for American Indian than I did 10 minutes ago, but uh, I think I'm still going to have to go LA Confidential. Jeez. Uh, what, what, what is the question that we're asking? Which movie would you rather watch or which is better? Um, I think we're trying to ask ourselves <laughs> which one is better to us as an individual not in an objective way like which one's better for the world but like which one do you if you had your feet to the fire feel like is your preferred movie oh boy like if you just had to rank your movies from like favorite to least favorite which one would land above the other boy I'm gonna have to go with this is just like this is just like the last one, <laughs> where where Three Ten to Yuma is better written, better acted. American Beauty, I think, is uh, American Beauty is definitely better acted. What? Oh yeah. Okay, I actually, I, aside from Kim Basinger, I actually disagree with that. I, I think that the acting in uh, in LA Confidentials amazing, including Danny DeVito, who we didn't mention before. But I oh yeah, he's great. Uh, well, then again, there towards the end, you're right. There are some shaky moments here and there. All right, yeah, I gotta go with LA Confidential. I just like I want to watch it right now. Yeah, all I had to do was say Danny DeVito, and you're like, oh yeah, that's right. Very QT, very hush hush. That yeah, can we say something real quickly on that? Because that is the probably the something just happened to your mic where you got very quiet. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Okay, I was gonna say, LA Confidential, as far as I can remember, is the only movie where narration is actually really engaging. 
Like when Danny DeVito is doing the narration at the beginning of the movie, it's really entertaining. I don't remember it. Oh man, he's explaining like who's who's running what sort of uh, crime rings, and like he's like, "Is it this guy?" Is he? And then he gets shot, and he's like, "Nope, not him." <laughs> you'll, yeah, you'll I remember that. that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been whatever week it is of this week in film. Uh, I guess L.A. Confidential beats American Beauty. Hooray! Um, Matt, you got anything to plug? Uh, No, as always, you know, if you're struggling, uh, don't be afraid to seek out some help with uh, therapy. But other than that, no, not really. And uh, I'd say check out thisweekinfilm.com. That's where you can find a bunch of stuff about the show. Um, So go there. Check us out on the social medias, but you can find links to all that at thisweekinfilm.com. And if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. You can say say bye. Oh, well. Peace out, (laughs) y'all. Bye. (laughs) 